Good morning. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Father, we come here to worship you, to, uh, to hear your word, to preach your word, uh, to glorify you through your son, Jesus Christ. Fill us with your spirit uh, and be here now. Amen. <clears throat> so, uh, this morning we're going to talk about worship. I'm going to continue what I talked about two weeks ago uh, in following with Sam Chimpoon's great sermons. Um, well, you guys, uh, hey, real quick, uh, Josiah and David, uh, I forgot to put the podium back, so this, does, this isn't plugged in right now, so if we can do that in between the service, that's my fault, I'm just looking down and I'm like, here's the chords. Uh, I ran a wire to the stage yesterday with David's help, uh, and I forgot to plug that back in. So, anyways, so we're continuing in our... Uh, it's not as serious, just in uh, what I talked about two weeks ago about worship. I think Sam Chimpoon's sermons on worship have been largely beneficial, uh, helpful. Um, I talked to him about what he's going to talk about, and I think those will be great. Uh, so stay tuned for, I think Sam's probably in like three or four weeks or something. I don't really remember. Um, so something I began to talk about two weeks ago was worship um, and the pattern in heaven. And I want to kind of take that theme and look a little bit more in-depth today. And so our goal here today is just to look at um, not necessarily the purpose of worship. Uh, one point we want to make right off the bat is that worship uh, is the ends. Worship is the purpose. Um, there is, and you find all kind of crazy things online when you Google things uh, and preparing for sermons and stuff. And so I'd never heard of this saying, but uh, maybe from a more of a charismatic background, uh, there's a saying that says, like, praises go up, blessings come down. Anybody heard of that? <laughs> Teresa's like, yeah, amen. <laughs> I'll say that every morning. Uh, no. Uh, uh, I've kind of heard, like, there's some kind of, um, I've heard versions of that before, where you praise God and then he pours out blessings and like any good saying, there's no explanation, there's no definition. Uh, you just make up your own definition and what that means. Uh, but it gives the idea of, and there are scriptures that we could use as proof text to kind of this, but the whole tenet of scripture doesn't agree. That uh, what that saying is going after is we praise God and then he pours down blessing. Or we're praising God so that we get a blessing. Uh, but worshiping God is the blessing. There is no, worship isn't a means to some type of ends. Uh, worship is the end. Worship is the ends, is what we're, is what we're going after. Uh, and we're going to look at that because of how worship is patterned in Scripture. Um, and so also with that, I kind of want to lift our vision or our idea of Sunday morning worship. And so... Um, we let's go to John four twenty three. I quoted from that last time. Uh, let's go to yeah twenty three and probably twenty four. Uh, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so, uh, one of the things we understand, and what this verse is saying is, God is seeking, the Father is seeking people to worship him. That's one of his goals in creation. He doesn't need anybody to worship him. He is the triune God who is uncreated for all a time, uh, if there was time, before creation. He lived in perfect harmony with himself among the three uh, people of the Trinity. And he didn't make creation because he had any need. Uh, He made creation um, and had a desire. And one of those desires was so that people would worship him. And one of the reasons why we said worship is the goal or worship is the end, not a, not a means to an end, is because when you think about it a little bit more philosophically, uh, if God is creator and he's ultimate reality and everything that he creates is from him, then the best thing, the best blessing that we can get is him, right? It's not as we made that charismatic reference or praises go up, blessings come down, is we're not seeking God for a blessing. There's no greater blessing than God himself. And so when it says that the Father is seeking such people to worship him, he's inviting us in to the ultimate of ultimates. So when we worship, and what we're going to get into when we look at the pattern, is we're looking at the ultimate end everything, what, what it's all about. And so um, if you ever, when you're just generally reading through scripture and there's visions of heaven, every time there's worship, there's angels, there's elders, there's other creatures worshiping uh, 24-7, um, all the time. And so that gives us a, a clue in scripture when we're reading that that's the goal. What are people doing in heaven? What are the creatures doing? They're worshiping. So that's our goal. And so, uh, with that, let's read one more big chunk of scripture, Psalm 147. And then we'll look at it. We'll be doing a lot of flipping, so if you get your Bibles ready. So Psalm 148. Did I say 147 earlier? It's 148. Should be, if you got to 147, you should be able to get to 148 pretty easy. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for the command... For he commanded, and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his saints.
for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, what's excluded in there? Is there anything that's really left out uh, from the, you know, there's, uh, uh, this psalm isn't that I know of attributed to anybody in particular, but the writer uh, saying, you know, old men and children. It was making a bookends, right? And so, this psalm is the earth's destiny. God's not saying and commanding and calling out for all of creation to praise him, and it's not going to be fulfilled. That is the end. The goal of creation, of God's creation, is that everything is going to worship him. Everyone is going to worship him That's or praise him. And so that's our destiny. Uh, that's our destiny as the church. That's our calling to take dominion and uh, make disciples and bring all of creation under dominion to the glory of God that it, uh, that it would praise him. And that's our destiny as the earth, as people. That's where we're heading. God's not going to stop until we get there. And so uh, that makes a little bit more sense when we go to Romans 8. I'll probably just quote from this. Um, you guys have heard, like you guys remember in Romans 8, and you guys can look it up if you want, uh, verse 20 or 22 or 21. Uh, speaks about that all of creation is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the children of God. And so, in a sense, like we read that and we're like, all of creation, that means like, what about like that one like star that's out there that we haven't discovered yet? Right? Uh, yeah, all of creation, all of it is eagerly waiting um, for the revealing of the children of God. What we're doing, um, if you just, before we actually look at uh, the examples of heaven as the pattern. When you look at creation, uh, in the very first verse, that God makes a separation between heaven and the earth. There's a separation, right? And all throughout the uh, six days of creation, there's, you know, he makes the sky and the land, and there's all these separations. And God's using that as a clue for us to give us this pattern and these examples that there's a separation between heaven and earth, but he's, his goal in creation in the end is that they're going to come together. They're meeting together. Heaven is going to meet on earth, right? And that's what we get in worship. Um, and we're going to make that pretty clear uh, by all of the examples of, of the heavenly pattern in worship. And so, uh, so that in a very real sense, that's why the creation is eagerly waiting Right, stars, the mountains, the hills, the moon, they don't have a mind. They can't eagerly, actually eagerly wait. But all of creation is, uh, in a very real sense, waiting to be redeemed and to, um, and to see heaven come down and to see by the revealing of the children of God, uh, especially we're going to look at through worship, is how heaven comes to earth. And so uh, I'm going to say it over and over that heaven is the pattern. Uh, and we don't have patterns in scripture. Uh, so if you guys didn't know this, uh, one way if you to look at it in like an apologetic sense is uh, there's no other philosoph like philosophical idea or religion that even compares to Christianity. And, uh, and one of those ways is that when we have a pattern in what to follow in scripture, God himself is our pattern, right? 
And so when we look at heaven as a pattern, we're going to look at examples in heaven and worship and what they're doing and what they're singing. And, and we can go on and just look at the examples of just heavenly worship that we find in Scripture. And we can go on for several weeks, if not months, about like... Uh, I read a really good article by Peter Lightheart last night about um, just having biblical-based lyrics and there's a whole big push right now in certain reform movements to like just sing the psalms or at least use the psalms as a rubric, which I think is generally good. Uh, but it was based on like what are the like what are the heavenly beings, what are the elders, what are the cherubim and seraphim, what are they singing, what are their words, what are their lyrics? And do our modern lyrics compare or or are they going after that goal? And so anyways, so when we look at heaven as the pattern, we're not just looking at an abstracted idea of that God is separate from heaven, right? We're looking at heaven as the pattern because God himself is the pattern, okay? Um, we don't have, like, in other religions uh, or other philosophies where uh, there's an abstracted, separate pattern or set of rules that is different from their ideas of a creator, like in Islam or Buddhism or something. Um, we have God as our pattern, and heaven is wherever God dwells. Deuteronomy 26.15 says, Look down from your holy dwelling place from heaven and bless your people Israel. Right? So we look at... Um, we have maybe been taught, and uh, I just assume if... I thought it, or if I went to churches, or if I taught something growing up, so were you. Uh, and that may or may not be true. Um, but it's a good place to start. And so, at least in the modern era, we've been taught a little bit more frequently that heaven is the place you go when you die, and it's all about the afterlife, and, um, and it's abstract, like, like God could be there, but it's like it's like got streets of gold, and... Uh, I even heard a, uh, not in relation to preparing for this, I read a quote uh, from a pretty famous pastor that said, he's longing and expecting for heaven, not because of the streets of gold in the city, but because of the absence of sin. I was like, yeah, that's, I like that too, but hope God's there. <laughs> like, I'm really expecting to like, be in like, full communion with God and, uh, and you know, like, have the, like, um, have the closeness all the time uh, that we experience here through the spirit on earth, just without the, uh, but just finally pass through the curtain to heaven. And so um, we have to continually like, like refresh our minds and remind us that heaven is just wherever God dwells, right? It's not, it's not about in scripture about anything else. Um, now don't get confused with the first chapter of Genesis because uh, there's three heavens, and which one are we talking about? Uh, so, uh, if you're not familiar with that, there's the sky, which is called heaven. There's the sky above the firmament, where the, where the stars rest, which is called heaven. And then there's where God dwells, which is called heaven. And so, all three of those are a pattern of heaven, where God dwells. Uh, well, the other two are at least patterned or modeled after uh, the dwelling place of God, heaven. And so... So remember that. So when we're talking about heaven as our pattern, we're talking about 
God's presence, his spirit filling us. Um, we're talking about God being there and being close, right? And so every time we look in heaven in scripture, we see people worshiping. Um, and so let's start with Job 38. Uh, we're going to read verses 4 and 7. Uh, this is where God is responding back to Job and telling Job, like, were you there when I laid the earth? Were you there? Like, you're going to tell me what's going on? Um, so verse 4, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Then jumping to verse 7, when the morning stars, or the angels, sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And so we don't see that in the first couple chapters of Genesis, of all these angelic beings and heavenly creatures that God created, uh, worshiping and singing together in the creation narrative. Uh, but God tells us here that at, even at creation, uh, there was angels, there was uh, what, what they're calling sons of God, heaven, and uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, angels, which are called sons of God, shouting for joy. And even at creation, God was being worshipped, Right? Uh, Isaiah 6, 1 through 3 is, 3 is pretty famous. Um, I'm going to make a quick side note. Uh, I'd love to, uh, especially because I think Josiah did the, a sermon on evangelism. Sam Chimpoon's doing a series on, on worship. Uh, those two are never disconnected. And so I have an ultimate goal uh, for you guys uh, or an ulterior motive. Um, that involves the, the more vibrant, the more closer we get to real worship, to heavenly worship, uh, the more you see in the book of uh, the Apostles, or I'm sorry, in the book of Acts, uh, that they're worshiping and then they're filled with boldness and they're preaching uh, and evangelizing more boldly. Uh, one of the means, in my mind, even though I said that worship is the means to the end, uh, or worship is the end, is once something that should happen, and we're going to see this in Scripture, um, just by most of the selected verses, is that when people are, are worshiping in heaven and they see these heavenly patterns, uh, then God sends them, or, or they're filled with the Spirit and they evangelize. And so that's what you can expect when, when we're worshiping a little bit more uh, heavenly. And so this is one of those examples in Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, each having six wings, with two each covered his face, and with two each covered his feet, and with two each flow, flew. And one called out to one another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory." I'm going to read one more. And so that in that Isaiah passage, then uh, the Lord saying, who will we send? And uh, Isaiah is like, send me. I'll go. Uh, after he talks about being a man of unclean lips and all this. And so then he's sent. And so uh, that's why one, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about evangelism four weeks ago, or however many weeks ago it was, uh, and worship, because I think they're, they're interconnected. Uh, well, worship is interconnected with everything in the Christian life. And so we can make that connection anywhere. Uh, that's pretty easy. And so let's go to Revelation 2. Let's look at another vision of heaven. Um, one thing that's uh, 
I don't want to say easily discernible. I guess if you have the right paradigms and way of thinking. Um, when you look at the book of Revelation, uh, if you can get out of, if you've only read it maybe one or two times, um, and you come from um, a more uh, dispensational background in, in your paradigms and thinking, I don't think Revelation is that hard to understand if you take a step back and look at it just like you would like a children's book or something um, and just kind of look at like who are the major characters, what's the major stream of thought, what's the overarching theme of the story, uh, and not try to figure out like who's, who's the man with the 666. And, uh, those details are, um, those details come later after you know the overarching story. And so there's more visions in Revelation is a book where we see uh, where John is in the spirit scene in heaven. And so in Revelation, there's more visions of heaven and worship than in any other book. And so that's a good place to start. Um, but if we just look at the patterns that we see in there, and one of the reasons why and why it's the last prophetic vision given to the church through the Apostle John uh, is because, making the clear point, um, if you look at the uh, book of Genesis and the book of Revelation and see the garden themes and all these things, where in creation you're seeing earth, in Revelation you're seeing heaven. And what's the goal? To meet together, right? And so Revelation uh, chapter 4, we're going to read verse 2 and verse 8. John saying, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and someone was sitting on the throne. Wow, that looks an awful lot like Isaiah 6. Verse 8, And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Right? And so what are they singing? What's the two uh, similar verses in those two psalms? Holy, holy, holy. Right? Um, one of the things that I like about uh, looking at scripture is uh, so what are the what's the language that they use what are they singing about holy 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 God is different 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 he's way different there's nobody like him he is so far different than creation he's immutable he's unchangeable everything we see in creation is changing and, and moving and, uh, and full of weakness and death and decay and the Lord is different right that's what holy means he's separate he's completely other um, you know, in that specific verse, who was and is and is to come. Sam was yesterday, and he is now, and I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow, but I hope he is to come tomorrow, <laughs> right? But this is for all, from, all, uh, from all of eternity, right? God is different. Um, and so, number one, like, does our worship match that in heaven, Right? Uh, specifically in these two verses that I picked out in Revelation and, and Isaiah, these are coronation worships, right? There's someone seated on a throne. Um, I don't know, I always think in terms of like, what are those movies I grew up with and thought about? And um, So have you guys ever watched a movie? could be a, a serious movie or it could be the movie that popped in my mind was, uh, I don't even know if I should say it, like Robin Hood Men in Tights. Uh, if you guys are familiar with that, you know when a king comes in and you see in these like medieval movies, uh, they're like playing trumpets and uh, the king walks in and they're like do 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 and like everything's going on and it's loud and they're worshiping. 
Uh, and then he stands in front of his throne. They put the, the crown on, and there's still music going on. And then he sits down, right? It's like he doesn't just like walk into his throne room and like sit on some special chair, uh, right? This is a coronation service. Um, and you can kind of trace back and do your own research into uh, the history of that. One thing God does is he continually takes the systems of thought of this world and the time that he placed it in for scripture to be written and says that here's what the world is doing, but here's God Almighty. Um, and so that was like coronation services when kings would sit down. That was going not just back to like emperor worship in Rome and, and being deity, but all, all the way back to the, uh, um, to the time of the Jews in the wilderness, to the Israel in the wilderness where uh, kings would sit on their thrones, there'd be music, they'd be worshiping uh, the highest authority in government, right? Um, and so that happens, we see that vision in heaven, right? That God is on his throne, there's worship, and it's directed towards him. Um, uh, if you go one more chapter later, uh, Revelation 5, uh, uh, we won't read, read the whole thing, but to kind of summarize, there's more worship going on uh, in verses like 8 and 9, and where the elders are falling down and they're saying blessing to you and honor to you and praise to you uh, because there was the son came in and he was the one that was able to take the scroll. Right? He was the one who was able. Um, I think that's also, I didn't write it down, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's in context where there was silence in heaven for about 30 minutes and there was like nothing going on and they're like, Who's going to take the scroll? Who's going to be the guy? Um, which is directly reminiscent of Daniel chapter 7, of the Son of Man. And so, uh, when we worship here on Sunday morning, that's what we're doing. Um, one thing that, um, I'm, I'm just guessing maybe most people, because again, me, if it's true for me, it's true for you. Uh, I'm guessing most people in here wouldn't know the terms unless you were in uh, the right state, Rock Campus Fellowship, when I was teaching about it, I heard it. Um, there's generally two terms for the church in different states. So people who have died and passed into heaven, that would be called the church victorious, right? And us on earth are called the church militant, militant right? Uh, we're not the, the church come and warm up a Sunday pew and be friendly. We're the church militant. We're on a mission. Um, and so when we're singing on Sunday morning, we are singing military songs. We're singing army songs. We're singing, um, this comes out in, uh, in even secular movies. Uh, does anybody like army movies, like military movies? I guess there's more military than the army. Uh, but sometimes they're singing and chanting, even in modern times, um, just because it's built into the image of God and men, is that they're singing and chanting and there's different songs that they sing uh, to go out into battle and then there's different songs they sing to encourage one another, right? Because, does that make sense? Like there's, they're singing, we only got like one military person here that I know of. Uh, they're singing songs to one another to encourage one another because they're on a mission and sometimes they're singing um, maybe patriotic songs about their mission or something. Uh, that's what we're doing here on Sunday morning. 
we're worshiping our king who is coordinated and seated on the throne. Uh, and we're in the midst of a battle. And we're in the midst of taking dominion over the whole earth and transforming uh, the whole earth um, by bringing heaven down. And so I hope that makes sense. Um, let's look at Luke 2 real quick. And so this is when Christ was born. And we get another glimpse of like what is the purpose. And what are we doing here? Uh, Luke 2, 13 and 14. And suddenly there uh, was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so we get another glimpse of what is the pattern when heavens open up, there's worship, when Christ comes down and is born. It's not that we just get these messengers and all these things um, that are attested to in Scripture. We get heaven opened up, and they're coming down and praising God. That's what we're doing on Sunday morning. Uh, that's what we're doing when we, uh, when we praise and we worship privately. That's the goal. That's, the, uh, that's one of the things that happens in worship. Right. Um, uh, just to make a couple other references specifically in Revelation, um, and just to, to just give a little note to like how do we worship and what's the point of worship and why we're worshiping and what we're doing and what are we singing about. Um, we have a few songs that I can name off the top of my head that talk about the judgments of God, which I like. Um, if you read Revelation 19, specifically verses like 1 through 4, it's after the great harlot, the prostitute, who is called Babylon, uh, who uh, is Jerusalem, is after judgments are poured out for her wickedness, then all the saints and angelic beings are praising God for, for judgments coming down. Right? Um, after the, sometimes after scrolls are opened up or after... Uh, or after bowls of wrath in the book of Revelation are poured out, there's worship, right? Um, it reminds me of uh, some just maybe more current. Does anybody, was anybody old enough or, I don't want to say alive, everybody was alive. Uh, when bin Laden was uh, taken down from dictatorship, does anybody remember that? Uh, they were singing and dancing in the streets. They were tearing his statues down. And people were like singing and praising. And then there was like a whole bunch of like evangelical, wishy-washy Christians on Facebook saying, we don't praise the destruction of even when wicked people fall. Like those people were super happy that uh, bin Laden was gone. And uh, tons of times in scripture we see that God's judgment against people uh, renders praise from his people. And so not that we should take delight in people getting judged, but that God's judgment and justice and righteousness is coming to the earth. Amen. Right? There is a, there is a difference. Um, uh, Revelation 11, 7, 15, all of these are uh, examples of, especially in the book of Revelation, of worship. I want to look at one more specifically before we move on. Is Revelation 14. Uh, 
And I didn't write the verses down, so let's figure it out. Looks like verses 2, uh, 2 and 3. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps, and they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. Then listen to this. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed, uh, who had been redeemed from the earth, right? Nobody could learn that song. Nobody could know that song except for the 144,000, except for God's elected people, right? And so we actually sing songs here, especially on Sunday morning, uh, that God wants us to learn and sing because we're his redeemed people, right? Um, One thing that I'm... I don't know, I just kind of think, and this is kind of maybe subjective, or there's, I can't really point to any Bible verses that point to this. One thing that, like, in myself, I kind of meditate on and think of, like, well, maybe this is what God's plan is, and maybe what, he, what he's doing. Uh, on those kind of terms, I think of, like, on Sunday morning, the state of the world we are in now, um, and in history, for roughly 24 hours, maybe more, maybe less, starting on wherever the prime meridian is, uh, or wherever, wherever the first worship service on the Lord's Day is in the earth, uh, let's just say that was an hour, that there are continually and consecutively people singing in different time zones all over the globe so that God receives praise from his people for like 24 hours. That's pretty amazing. That's what we're taking part of on Sunday morning. Um, Ephesians 2.6 6 says, uh, that we are seated with him, seated with Christ, seated with uh, the Father, uh, in heavenly places in Christ. And so what's really happening in heaven right now, all the time, is worship, right? God is continually receiving praise from angels and seraphims and, and all these created beings, and he's created us as a kingdom of priests and ordained us to worship, right? That's why, that's part of what, um, in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6.10 that the Lord is talking about in your kingdom come on earth as it, in he- as it in heaven as it is in heaven and so we're in the process of bringing heaven to earth right uh, Matthew 3.3 3, he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand it's close the kingdom of heaven is here it's now and so the agent by which we actually render praise and we actually um enter into the heavenlies and bring the heavenlies down is by the Spirit, right? We see that, and I'm just trying to make a tie very quickly in the next three minutes uh, to Genesis and Revelation, that the Spirit is hovering over the face of the waters in Genesis and in Revelation. I saw in the Spirit, right, all these heavenly things. And so uh, Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, talks about being filled with the Spirit and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with one another. Right? That's what we're doing here on, on earth. That's what we're doing here on Sunday mornings. We're a kingdom. There's a king. He's been coronated. He's been lifted high. Uh, he's commanded us to praise, to worship, uh, to, sing, to sing his songs. And I just want us to get, the, get behind the idea of when we come here on Sunday mornings, we're not just like singing songs and gathering and, uh, and waiting for communion and then thinking about like what's going to lunch. Like, what we're doing is we're entering into the heavenly realm. We're entering in by the Spirit to where God dwells. 
He wants us to be there. He wants to bring heaven down. And we're the church militant. And we have, um, generally, like, I think very good songs. There's one uh, that we sing that I can't ever not cry and think about. It's when the angels are singing, like, holy, holy glory, and then the earth responds. Uh, I don't know the names of these songs. I actually don't know the names of, like, any songs. Uh, but I know some lyrics. Right? Like, that's a hard one for me to get through because that's, a, like, a direct directly from scripture that there's angels singing to each other and the earth is called to respond. That's our goal. And so all I'm hoping for uh, through this is that we kind of lift our vision and we come on Sunday mornings ready to worship with that in mind and thinking like we're part of something much bigger than what's going on, than than what we see in our little church. Um, And we're not even privy to like maybe 1% of it, of what God's doing, even in our city. But we're taking part of every Sunday morning when we gather and we worship and we commune with one another. We're entering and we're in reality uh, seated with Christ at heavenly places. And that's full of worship. That's full of vibrant praise. That's full of elders falling down and casting their crowns. That's full of like people like just like banging giant gongs and playing harps bigger than what Melody has. And... Uh, like, it's, it's crazy, it's awesome, it's loud, there's like tons of praise, it's vibrant. Uh, there's new songs all the time. And so that's what we should come on Sunday morning expecting. If we don't start to lift our vision and our expectation of, to get to be more biblical, that's when we start feeling like dry in worship. And we've all gone through those experiences where like, well, I'm just coming to church and had a bad morning because my pancakes got burned. And how am I going to praise God? And, uh, right? Like, we just kind of have to get outside of ourselves and, and realize the reality of that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. There's worship all around him, and we're, and God's inviting us into that. And we want to yield to his spirit to enter into that. And so Sam's going to talk more about worship in subsequent weeks. So uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, as we gather for worship here today, we pray that we would worship you in spirit and truth. Your word says that you are seeking such worshipers, Lord, and that, and that we're here this morning uh, to, to be found by you, to enter into the heavenlies. Bring us into your presence, Lord. Bring us into the reality of heaven uh, this morning in worship through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.